Metalworking Nation, you probably know Zometry as a digital platform where you can get custom manufacturing on demand with instant quotes. But let me tell you about something new. Now you can source high volume projects directly from Zometry suppliers. Do you have a higher volume CNC sheet, die casting, or metal printing project? Do you need to get multiple quotes from different vendors and you have time to wait to get them? Now you can get many quotes directly from the Zometry Network suppliers. You have total control. You name your target price, your target lead time, and you directly communicate with suppliers to get the best deal. This is a new way to source bigger jobs different from instant quoting. You can upload your 2D or 3D files. So it's more than just instant quoting from Zometry. You can source high volume projects directly from the Zometry suppliers. Check it out at Zometry.com. That's X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills solve your problems, and grow your business. And God knows we have problems. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Jason Zenger and Nick Golner. I've got 99 problems, Jim. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I was just going to say- you're one of them. Oh, oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. How Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And- Happy New Year. Upcoming Happy New Year. Happy New Year to our listeners. Though. Yeah, Happy, yeah, Happy New, New Year. Year. 2021. It's got to be better than 2020, right? I'm hoping that it is. You know, I think that manufacturing is poised to really, you know, take off in 2021. And I'm starting to see some of the effects of what could be a good 2021. We have some clients that were really down in 2020. And they, at the end of the very end of the year, say like the last few weeks of December, they were starting to see a lot more activity mm -hmm. than they expected. So mm -hmm. that's really good to hear. Yeah. We're starting to see some stuff come back from commercial aerospace, which is- No kidding. Huge, that's awesome, Nick. That's good. Yeah. It's not all about firearms and ventilator parts in 2021. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I Other can vouch things for that. that you need for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and if we can get some of those N95 masks to ship out, my wife will be really happy in 2021. Although, I mean, we're, we're still doing stuff for the vaccine. Oh, you're like brewing, you have like a lab, you're brewing up some uh, concoction? Because I'm not going to take your vaccine, Jim. Not, no, please don't take my <laughs> vaccine. You don't want my vaccine. But we're, we're still manufacturing parts for automated equipment right. for vaccine production and assembly. So, so yeah. are you gonna are you gonna take the vaccine? Right now, yes. Okay. My dad, I just talked to my dad about it and my mom, and you know, they're my dad's 71 and he he was like, you know, we have a lot of traveling planned. And, you know, if that's a requirement, he's like, I'm 70, I don't, you know, the adverse effects, he's like, I'm just gonna take it. I, I know it's it it really makes no sense. Did you guys see that one video of that like nurse who took it and then went up to the podium to oh, talk about it and she just like passed out? Yeah, yeah. I think that happens to people when they take shots, though. Yeah, but... Because, like, would it hit you that quick? You know what I mean? Like, people get paranoid from shots, and then they get dizzy, and then they... Fight. I don't know. I, I've personally seen a lot of things out there. I don't like the fact that this vaccine is very different in that it's has to do with your R RNA, your RNA, as opposed to just putting, like, you know, dead virus into your body, like the flu shot. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stick to my vitamin D and vitamin A. Yeah. Well, they said that this new technology that they're using. What is it? What is the acronym? RMA? 
No, RNA is just like part of your DNA. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it has to do with the messaging between yeah. your The cells. way they developed the vaccine so quickly is going to revolutionize the way new medicines and vaccines are going to be made. Or, or create millions of zombies. Well, I don't know about that. Well, good that. thing we got the firearms made. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, for anything unrelated to manufacturing, don't come to making chips for your facts. <laughs> If it has to do with manufacturing, we can we talk about are it. truthful and honest. Yes. If it doesn't have to do with manufacturing, yes. don't listen to us. You don't have to. I mean, but everyone's got an opinion. But we definitely know about manufacturing. We may not know about vaccines and politics. We should and stick else. to our lane, but sometimes we like to talk about other stuff. Yep. Well, as we know, we're closing out on one of the worst years in the country's history, right? So I thought it was important to reflect on the last year, our personal and our business lives. So much has changed in the past year. It's been crazy. When I was preparing the show structure, I'm like, oh my God, all the things that happened to me this year has just been un- unprecedented. We've learned so much about pandemics, world and local leadership, the general public, one another, our peers, and most importantly, ourselves. So we've learned a lot about how our politicians like to stuff a lot of spending on things that are unrelated to the name of the bill that they're actually trying to get passed. They're stocking stuffers. Yeah. They're That's stocking, what these are. But they're big stocking <laughs> stuffers. Well, anyway, I thought it was important for me to share what I learned in 2020 about running a business in a historic year, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Can I share a little about what I learned too? Yeah. When we get to it. Okay. And I'm just going to sit this one out. I'm kind of tired. It's the end of the year. I'm just going to like watch you guys talk. You've got a lot to add. But anyway, a fun fact. I know Jason likes fun facts. And you know how the guys always tease me about how I need a picture book to read or learn or anything? Well, you just don't know how to read. So pictures are better. Well, I'm reading right now. Well, you're learning. You're learning. So that's good. I mean, my my son, my seven-year-old starting to read too, and he's learning. He's getting better with the words and you're kind of you know doing the same thing. So that's I'm good. a visual learner. And I, I Googled it today, and I have some fun facts about visual learners. Let's hear So em. 65% of the general public are visual learners. My show structures, as you know, are always filled. I always put them, pictures in because I think it, it develops the show. It makes me get more involved and do it. If you ever looked at Jason's show structure, he has zero going on. It's about as boring as- Well, they're uh, words. They're word, they, I have words going on. But we need to explain to the listeners what a show structure is. Yeah. It's what we're reading from, and it guides us through our episodes. Every word of every Making Chips episode is scripted out. Well, not every word. <laughs> but in my instance, a lot of it is visuals, so I put a lot of pictures in. Anyway, so I I found this information to be good. If you are a visual learner, you learn by reading or seeing pictures. You understand and remember things by sight. You can picture what you are learning in your head and learn best by using methods that are primarily visual. You like to see what you are learning. As a visual learner, you are usually neat and clean. Dirty gym. Yep. You often close your eyes to visualize or remember something. You've seen me do that before, right? I just thought you were like kind of passing out a little, <laughs> Take, taking a nap, <laughs> hung over, <laughs> taking a little nap, taking the edge off, and you will find something to watch if you become bored. You may have difficulty with spoken directions and may be easily distracted by sounds, totally. You are attracted to color and to spoken language like stories that is rich in imagery. Here are some things that visual learners like you can do to learn better. Sit near the front of the classroom. I am right now. 
have your eyesight checked on a regular basis. <laughs> Use flashcards to learn new words. That's what we should be doing. Uh, try to visualize things that you hear or things that are that are read to you. Write down keywords, ideas, or instructions. As you know, I'm always taking notes. Draw pictures to help explain new concepts and then explain the pictures back. It's funny, when I'm explaining a job to one of my guys, I actually take a blank sheet of paper and I draw them a little picture because I think machinists are visual people in themselves. Some probably are. Yeah. I think that it's a way that I can get the message across with a visual representation more than an oral representation. So what are the other types of learners? I don't know. I don't care. I only care about what I am. Okay. Well, yeah, figures. so 65%. Um, and avoid distractions during study time. I thought that was kind of... I know the answer. Can I get the right answer? Yeah, I, I don't know the right answer. So there's auditory, like you learn by mm-hmm. hearing. Yep. And then there's kinesthetic, like you learn oh. by like doing it yourself. Yeah. And I would say I'm probably the last one, the kinesthetic, because like the way that I learn the best is by actually writing something down. Well, that's kind of visual. Well, it says here, like, write down your keywords, ideas, or instructions right. on the visual learner thing. Right. But I think the kinesthetic would be like, okay, so I've done this once before, now I know it. Mm-hmm. You know, where someone, like, could draw it out for you or explain it to you with words. You're like, once I do it, I'll And I'll that's probably, it. the kinesthetic is probably, I would assume, is the lowest percentage of people. Yeah, I don't know. We got to get more verified facts from Jason's brain. Go ahead. Pull it up. I don't know. My computer's closed. It's a (laughs) verified fact that you do not know. (laughs) That is verified. (laughs) Anyway, as we move towards manufacturing now, I found a short article this morning, actually, on five key manufacturing trends. I know, Nick, you've previewed the article. Yeah, I got stuff to say about one of them for sure. Well, I'm just going to read them off and then we'll give a little description of the thing. So these are the what they say is going to be in our future. Wearable tech, which I think I know what that is. What like, do you think it is? I think it's like when somebody could come out to do maintenance on your CNC machine tool that they have a, a low level tech come out that might wear some glasses, virtual glasses. You bring out a novice and he's usually like interfacing with somebody that's more of a veteran person in order to solve the tougher problems. Yeah, so let me let me talk about that one. Wearable tech is number one. I didn't even read it. Or like an Apple Watch or like a Garmin, you know, like all that is in the category. It's all wearable, wearable tech. tech. Yeah. But you actually used the exact example of what we talked about in one of our leadership meetings at the end of the year. So a big part of our business at Hennig is machine protection. So the telescoping way covers Mm -hmm. that you all have on your machine tools. As your machine moves along the ways and the axis of the machine, there's steel telescopic covers that protect your machine from the machining environment. And one of the things that we do at Hennig is we repair those. And so sometimes they can't be repaired and they have to be replaced. And when they have to be replaced, you need someone to like understand, okay, what, what is the distance between the ways and how is this particular cover manufactured? And it can be kind of hard for our customer to like give us the right information for us to make a new one. So we have all sorts of data sheets and stuff like that. But one of the things we talked about is like if our guy, if our tech, uh, yeah, our senior technician was there, he would get it right. You know, he know he's he's fluent with this kind of thing. So how can we make him there without him actually being there? Yeah, the the other person would have glasses on and they'd be looking at it. Yeah, like the HoloLens or the Google Glass. Yeah. So they're wearing it and like you're seeing what they're seeing. And then our... Um, As opposed to like holding your phone up while you're doing like FaceTime or something like that. It's a little bit less effective. You could you know? do that, but... You could do that, yeah. Yeah, I think the wearable tech is going to be huge. So it's like, yeah. you know, measure this, measure that. Right. Okay, p- fill this all up. I got what I need. 
we'll get, have your quote to you in a few days. Yeah, the problem is going to be getting people to buy into putting the wearable tech on their shop floor. You yeah. know, because you're not going to send them the wearable tech every single time. Or you may, and we could do it. Like, I've thought about that same thing, Nick, with when we're, if there's another shutdown where manufacturers aren't going to allow, say, their cutting tool experts on their shop floor, you know, for our bigger clients, we could give them that kind of wearable tech so that they can use that and we can make recommendations out on the shop floor without actually being Yeah, there. we were thinking, like, can we send it to them? You know, yeah. can it be If they're cheap effective? enough, you could. Or we have regional sales managers who can, like, go and, and be like, hey, all right, I'm going to do this for you here's your glasses you could do it the next time yeah. maybe figure out a way to kind of like there's include it in their package there's got to be a way to yeah to, ha- to package something like that but it's just something sure. we were thinking about we were like yeah. okay let's think outside the box a little bit and you know if if this pandemic has done one thing it's caused us to think about new ways of going to market before we move away from wearable tech think about even further beyond that because the cost is going to be to send the tech on site right even the low level tech the high level tech the, the veteran guy that's calling all the shots. That's very expensive. He's the most expensive guy. But even sending the low-level tech, because you still have- That's still expensive, yeah. So I think the client is going to be putting on the goggles, and it's going to be do do it yourself in the shop. But they'll pay for the the technician that's virtual to help the tech in your shop do the repair. I think that that's what it's eventually going to end up to be. Well, it's like, what's more expensive, shipping a guy out there? Or Or shipping a pair of glasses. Right. Exactly. Totally. So that's it. Wearable tech. The second one is, and I know, Jason, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is cybersecurity. They say that's going to be really, really a big problem. Mm -hmm. And it's something that all manufacturers are going to have to get on the cybersecurity train and protect their, their data. Yeah, I believe that we're going to have an episode in 2021 with uh, MXD and we're going to talk about cybersecurity because that's that's a big emphasis of theirs to you know make sure that manufacturers are implementing good cybersecurity measures. I already talked with ProShop about cybersecurity Great. and how we can amp it up and they, they already have things in place that... Yeah, actually, I was messaging with Paul about that as well. So, so yeah. I mean, tell me a little bit about that from ProShop. Like, what do they... Do you know what a SIM is? Like when you have high-level computer software, like for Mastercam, we have to have a SIM and it plugs into your USB. A SIM card? A SIM card. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. It's a SIM card. Sure. ProShop has something similar to that. And, you know, it was a little above me when he explained it, but you can buy these things that plug into your USB ports okay. that authorize, gives authorization for that person to log into ProShop. So Shop. I'll explain it, Jim, very easily. Think of that little... Forget about that. It's called a SIM card. Like a a doggle or something? Well, just listen. Forget about that. It's called a SIM card. It's just an input device that's essentially acting like a key. Yeah. So like Ryan has a key. You have a different key. But the system knows this is Ryan. This is Jim. If you lose that physical key, somebody could grab it. But if somebody doesn't have that physical key, they actually can't get into your system. So it's as simple as it being a key. But then it's probably password protected on top of it. Just another layer of security. That's another layer of security. Yeah, they've been doing that. That kind of thing's been happening for a, for a long time, but it's now, you know, like starting to, you know... I just love hearing on. about, like, every time there's a, a, a new topic that we talk about, there's some way that ProShop is supporting your business and enabling yeah. it. Well, they're a cutting-edge ERP system. They really are. The next one is aid from robots or automation, robotic automation. We all know about that. We've been talking about it for years. It's really, it's really gaining a lot of speed. You can see all the people entering the market and developing new robotic technology. And it's never been easier for someone who doesn't understand robotic technology to work with a robot. I've heard Haas is selling a robotic cell now. 
So you buy the CNC and it's equipped with a robotic with it. It's packaged together like a package deal. And Herco does that. Herco does that yeah. as well? Okay. We have a quote out with a customer where we're implementing robotic honing on one of their parts that it'll essentially, they'll be able to take five people and move it to one person with this new robotic automation cool. on their honing process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, this is a real thing and, and we need to do it because if output goes up significantly, there's just not enough people to run those machines. Yeah. We're planning on robotic technology on the shop floor in our new facility. Great. As early as next year. Yeah. So Well, especially now that you're getting more into production, that's a good idea. Right. Yes, absolutely. Industry 4.0 gains importance. So, you know, we know, we all know we've been talking about Industry 4.0 for years now. Cyber connected Well, we've been systems. talking about all these topics for years, and I think it begs to, like, talk about them again, because I think the metalworking nation really needs to, like, get on board with a lot of these and say, which one of these am I going to commit to, you know, seeing if it'll work for my company? And they're kind of intertwined. Like, Industry 4.0 is the fourth one, the fifth one on your list here is customer service. Well, wearable tech, we just gave an example of how that can support your customer service initiatives. So it's not like they're in a different box. They can all work together. Yeah, read that paragraph under customer service because it's really profound. You got the article open. Go ahead. Okay. It says, although customer service has always been a critical focus for successful manufacturers, the continued convergence of technology with manufacturing will be even more relevant as the data collection and tracking tools of industry 4.0 become more popular customers will have greater visibility of production status through dashboards and other tools with this increased exposure will come a push for ever improving results i've got one example of customer service so i talked about this when i was on okuma's podcast and I made up a word for it. You'll like this because I made up a word. I love it. it. But I call it a product and content integration. So you've got your product. That's three words. Well, it's a (laughs) phrase, okay? (laughs) So you've got your products. Like we sell fixtures, we sell weight covers, we we sell things, right? And we send them off to our customers. And there's all sorts of content that we also create that enhances the value of the product, that supports the end user of the product. And we put a QR code on our products now. So when you can scan the QR code. And what comes up? All of the resources that you could need related to that product. Oh, that's cool. Your maintenance guides, your helpful related content, all all sorts of stuff like that. You just have to scan the actual product with your device. device, I literally just used something like that last night. Really? So one At a restaurant? No, no. One of my Christmas presents for my wife and for myself is that I bought us both red and blue LED light teeth whitening device. Really? And it had right in the instructions, it had a little QR code that you scanned and then it opened up a website and the owner, the founder of the company had a video showing you how to use it. And Legos. My daughter got Legos for Christmas. Same thing. So you scan the box and it like, there's like a 3D model that walk. It's like never been easier to make Legos. Oh my God. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. So anyway, there's a lot to look forward to with manufacturing trends in 2021 and beyond. And these are the five that This particular journalist believes are important and profound, and I believe there are five profound things from myself as well that we we better get on the bus. Well, again, we've talked about every single one of these during other manufacturing news as trends that are coming, but it's still, we need to keep talking about them because they're all very, very important. Exactly. So- I'm going to get to get on with the podcast, the episode for today, and it's it's all about lessons learned while running a business during a pandemic. I thought about it today when I was preparing the show structure, and I, I think back and I think about 
all the things that went on this year. And I thought it was important that we recognize it and share the things that we've learned for the future. Because although it might be the last pandemic I lived through, it may not necessarily be the last pandemic for you guys. And everything's different, right? That was really morbid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's true, though. I mean, I I mean, genuinely, I hope I live longer than you do. Yeah. Or I live to see further right. years than you do because you're older than me. Right, but that's true. I mean, I mean, we this completely caught us off guard. We were not prepared for it. The way it was executed and, you know, or, or tried to execute to for safety of the general public probably could have been better. Well, it could always be better. It can always be better. I agree. I agree. Don't political, Jim. No, I don't, I don't want to get political, but at the end of the day, we've been very lucky that this pandemic hasn't adversely affected manufacturing. Well, it has affected a lot of manufacturing. Adversely. I use the word adversely, much like it has other industries like hospitality. It's not as bad. It's not as bad. That's It's sure. not as bad. And right. for that, I'm grateful because you know I've been through bad recessions before and they're not fun. We've talked about it many times on the show. They're painful. They're agonizing. They're gut-wrenching. And it just was not like that for me this year. So I just have some bullets here on on some things that happened during 2020 when the pandemic started up. And they're not in any particular order. I just typed them up as I felt them. Here's the thing. I remember like mid-March when I first started hearing about this, the coronavirus that was coming out of China And, you know, it didn't really start getting hit the U.S. that we knew until I would say about mid-March, right? So I remember getting a text. I was on a text, and this is one of the things that I wanted to share that was important to me and my peers, is I was on a group text with some manufacturing business owners, and there was about six of us, and we said, somebody said, they're going to shut down business. The whole state's going to be shut down on Saturday. And I read it, and I'm like... This is the president of a company. This is a friend of mine. They're not getting bad information. They're connected to the administration. They know they know stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, they're go- we're going to shut down the state. What does that mean? Right. What does that mean? That is, yeah, because it was unprecedented, I guess you would say. Shut down? I mean, oh my God, I've got a business to run. How can we shut down? I got delivery dates today, right? Well, Jim, I remember like, printing out like what I thought was an official document from Zangers, from the president of Zangers saying, this person is authorized (laughs) to go to work. I have that written down. We didn't know what was going to happen. My other next book, I remember having to print and sign documents for my employees if they were pulled over during the shutdown. This document validated that they were an essential worker and needed to go back and forth to work. So yeah, you didn't know that? Not a single person got pulled over or had to present. No, but you, you didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't know. All we knew is they were going to shut down the state for whatever that meant, that we were deemed essential. I remember printing eight and a half by 11 thing on a letterhead and posting it on our front door saying that we're an essential business. We were deemed essential because we manufacture parts for military, yep, defense, yep. And, and the yeah, medical industry. we did industry. all that same thing. So what did you learn from that? Well, what I learned in the very first bullet that I has is when you hear stuff that is scary that you aren't familiar with and the unknown don't panic don't panic don't make quick decisions don't get your answers and then based on the answers that you get the resources that you have then you can make a decision but go slow and try to hold off my dad always said hold off and trying to make a decision to the last minute because you'll end up making a better decision you know what i learned from that situation what's that was 
to over communicate with my team right. when that happened. I mean, that was one of the big things that that we did when this during the same period of time is that I was calling all my team members, I was emailing them, I was making videos for them, I was doing all this kind of stuff to over communicate with them about what I knew so that I can make sure that they knew all the same things that I did because there was a lot of situations where I just couldn't physically be there when a lot of that panic was going on and I didn't want my team to be panicky either. And so I needed to make sure that I was kind of that calming force with the rest of the team and I did that by over communicating. You know, now that them. you say that, it, I just realized I did a lot more communicating during the start of the pandemic too because I've got all these regional sales guys throughout the country and I was honestly concerned that they'd be like, Oh, well we're shut down. So I guess I don't have to do anything. And so we were like, no, you got to do more. We need, we need you to fuel this company with work. Yeah. And, and like for me, I knew I had clients like Jim and I had other clients that were still busy and who were not going to shut down. And I needed to make sure that my team was in place and ready to, you know, serve those people effectively while some of the, the hysteria was going on because you didn't want to call me looking for an end mill and nobody no. was home. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. No, that would not have been good. I implemented a COVID section into our weekly production meetings. And we still, to this day, talk about COVID, talk about the vaccines, yep. talk about the positivity rate. And I, I, I build a report every week on COVID. And just a week or so ago, I said to my team, I said, are you guys bored with this? Do you want me to discontinue updating you on COVID? And unequivocally, everyone said, no, we want to know more. We want to be kept in the loop. So more pictures. More pictures, exactly. Well, I pass out papers for everybody. There you go. So what I meant by collecting information from your resources is this was a time when I was glad to be members of all of my ancillary associations. So I'm a member of NAM. I'm a member of the IMA. I'm a member of the TMA, the VIA, the GOA, the Village of Elk Grove, and HR Sorts. They're a human resource association. They all were infiltrating my inbox with a lot of information. It was a lot to digest. It was a lot of there was a lot of redundancy. But through all of that information that was I was getting exposed to, I could take it in, disseminate it, and then bring it back to my team. And then my peers, likewise, and tell them what I've learned from this. So that kind of reminds me, Jim. So I'm, I also have like a laundry list of associations like that that I'm a part of. And one of the most important ones is a group called Affiliated Distributors. It's basically the best of the best industrial distributors across the country. And they were on a weekly basis, not only sending out news like, like you're talking about, which were fact-checked by their team, so there was a lot of legitimacy to the information that they were sending out, but they were also getting a both a financial pulse and kind of like an emotional pulse from the leaders of these companies who also got the pulse from their customers in order to see the trends that were happening. So it was important for us to see, okay, what's the trends in people's confidence? What's the trends in people's sales volumes and activities that were happening on like a month-by-month and week-by-week? By week basis so that we could see, okay, I'm not abnormal for seeing the things that I'm seeing. And it made me feel feel a little bit better about my situation. And it also allowed me to say, okay, well, the Midwest is, this is what's happening in the Midwest. This is what's happening in the South. And so you kind of had like your regional areas that you could see, well, you know, things are a little bit worse over here or better over here and stuff like that. And there was, there was a high level of communication that when this group saw the pandemic going on, they were like, we need to react to this and we need to make sure that we give our members the right information. And, and it, I think it was done really well. And 
and it really helped you know the membership. I remember learning about the PPP forgiveness program through one of these major uh, manufacturing associations that I'm I belong to, and I was equally as a small manufacturer, you know, with under ten employees, I was equally as informed as my peers that were running 200-man machine shops. And sometimes I think I understood it even a little more. I remember going on a phone call one day with somebody and saying, this is how it works, you know, because everyone was like, how do you figure it out? What is it, what is it all about? You know, is it the income? How do you track the income? You know, I mean, there was just so much going on, so many questions about how, how do you get to that number? Is it a real is it a real loan? Does it have to be paid back? And then and then remember everything's kept changing. It was eight weeks and then it was twelve weeks and then it was sixteen weeks and then it was I think it went even up to twenty-four weeks. Just a lot of information. And you about had that. to be pretty responsive to it as well. Yes. Like because I mean I, I hear what you're saying when you're like, okay, don't panic, don't make quick decisions. If you can put off making a decision, you might make a better one. Right. But sometimes you have to just be decisive. Right. You know, because like in this case, there were people who didn't get in line. You know what I they mean? They might not have had a good banking relationship. Right. And they, or they just waited. My know, dad, you like, know? you know, being at a CEO level for a global business, it's like he was on the phone the entire time with all of his banking buddies, right. you know? Oh, yeah. And other CEOs, like, what are you doing? How are you going to go about this? Are you going to do it this way or that way? When should I do it? Yep. And that was kind of like, wow. Yeah. And then remember the COVID stimulus package that we, we all got checks in like April, right? Or the general public checks went out to the general public, just like they're going to bring out to the general public this next week, right? So that was a big deal. The other thing that I've learned is, you know, we've really learned how to use technology like Zoom video conference meetings because that technology just exploded in 2020. You know, virtual learning, virtual sales, virtual trade shows, meetings, shopping, everything went virtual. I'm glad it did. I have way more effective meetings with customers now because Do you really? Th there's like this fluency with using Zoom. I would have always preferred that. There's so many times where you're on the phone and you're like, oh, if, I, if you could see what I'm looking at here, we're talking about like fixtures and stuff where you need to look at it especially if you're a visual learner. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so it's like now it's just instead of setting up a call, you're just setting up a Zoom. And it's really easy if, if the conversation goes in a direction where you need to see something, it's like, oh, just share my screen really quick. And it makes for way more effective communication. Way more, way more. I, I agree, Nick. I couldn't have, it's a great tool to use. And one thing I learned is to take some risks. And I've said this before, when things get dicey, with when the world turns on its head, it creates opportunities to change and flourish, like cleaning house with your employees, like buying a new facility, like buying machine tools, like anything. Anytime somebody sneezes or it's an upset, in this case, you know, a pandemic, it really created opportunities for people to do something different. Because I think people were ready already in that mindset that every this is just crazy. And one other thing really wasn't going to upset the apple cart, as they say. So the other thing I've learned too is never underestimate the power of a commodity, in this case, toilet paper and hand sanitizer. We couldn't get it. It wasn't available. Remember going and they were saying you can only pick a one roll of toilet paper at the same time? Yeah, I never ran out of toilet paper. Well, I, I would actually re rephrase that and say never underestimate the irrationality of how people respond sometimes. I know. Go situation. figure. You couldn't get food. You couldn't get... 
you know, I know toilet paper and hand sanitizer was just impossible to get. I remember looking, somebody told me, you know, I've got a can of hand sanitizer. I think I can get $100 on eBay for it if I sell it right now. Because it was that bad. It was that scarce. So we're in the hand sanitizer business. We're a distributor for like Gojo Purell and like a lot of these other brands. And so we were in that and prices definitely went really high during that period of time. It's all and demand. There, and, and it's all demand. And there was a lot of other things that went out of stock, like, you know, pre-moistened wipes, you know, those are all really hard to get your hands on. Obviously, N95 masks. People we, were not eating barbecue ribs anymore. No. They couldn't get those pre-moistened wipes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. I know. Like, not those kind of pre-moistened wipes. It's more like the kinds that disinfect. Those just wipe the, you know, the barbecue sauce off. <laughs> but, but yeah, this really affected the rib industry. <laughs> no, it was like, you know, we used to sell, I mean, you know, we do sell like pallets of like those scrubs in a bucket. And for a while, you just, you couldn't get them because people were wiping their counters all the time and wiping doorknobs and you know, I know at my company we have a whole like process for wiping the entire company down on a on a daily basis. Yeah, Hennig had a dedicated employee. And he just he literally just like sanitized. Our delivery driver, that was what he did the first thing when he came in is he wasn't out delivering packages first. He was he was wiping <laughs> the doorknobs down and everything before he went out. And lastly, I learned how to wear a mask. So, and the logistics behind it. Big learning curve. Big learning curve. Getting it around your ears. Exactly. And, you know, above <laughs> your nose. So, I just thought I'd share with the Metalworking Nation the year that came and kind of destroyed. But if you were smart and you made some good, had some opportunities to change, and hopefully your pain and suffering wasn't too bad. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's right. right. So. Exactly. That's all I got. Do you guys have anything that you want to share about that you learned in the uh, pandemic? I, I want to hear from the listeners. I'd love to hear kind of what their biggest takeaways were. That's something that we really value a lot. That was the most disappointing thing for us is the guests. We weren't able to get as many guests. No in, kidding. I think. And, and still. The, remember when we were doing some of the virtual podcasts? Terrible. It was, just a, it was not like fun. Them. I don't no. like them at all. I think we might do some here and there in the future, but I'd rather be you know across from the people we're t- dealing with. Yeah, know? we've definitely got some new episode ideas and structures that are going to be different in 2021 that's going to be coming the way for the metalworking nation. And we are... I'm going to propose doing some more of those virtual interviews, but they're going to be a little bit different. So if there is somebody that's listening who has something that could equip and inspire the Metalworking Nation, we'd love to hear from you. And maybe we can Zoom or FaceTime with you instead of uh, having you physically come here to our Making Chips headquarters. Because at the end of the day, if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Is this uh, a manufacturing podcast? It is a manufacturing podcast. Or is this Happy Time with Jim and his pictures? This is the Jim Wants to Talk About Himself podcast. (laughs) Happy Time with Jimmy's Pictures. Yeah. Well, you guys always make fun of me because I have to have pictures. But anyway, there is a reason. There's a motive to my madness. So, Jim, I know that you love me. And I'm a valued supplier to Car Machine and Tool. You're our biggest cutting tool supplier. So, Jim, what's my grade? 
Well, you know, ProShop rates our vendors based on every, it's a live, real-time rating schedule from one to five. And let me look, Zengers, you're a five. You're at the top of your list. Five out of five. Five out of five. Overall quality, packaging quality, lead time, pricing, customer service, and then it averages all of those out. Got it. So what's the purpose of having a grade anyway for your for your vendors? Because part of having a quality management system wants to know that you're rating your suppliers all the time because you don't want to deal with a supplier that's subpar, right? It affects your overall quality. If you're shipping me cutting tools that are late or the wrong size, it's going to impact our customer's delivery, right? So it gives you the ability to have a conversation with your suppliers and say, I need you to make these improvements because of this certification that I have. 100%. That's great. Well, for more information on this, go to ProShopERP.com and check it out.